Hey, welcome into this week's episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. I'm your host, Nathan Brown. This week, I'm bringing a co-host along, Pastor Kevon Liebert, as we interview Bradley Smith. Brad is originally from Youngstown, Ohio. He's married to our Director of Adult Education, Dr. Rosalind Smith. Together, they have two children who are amazing, by the way. Brad is a former nine-year NFL veteran, and he also holds an MPA from the University of Missouri, where he played college football. Brad also serves as a deacon here at Mosaic Church. And today, we're going to talk about sports in the COVID era. This will be one part of a two-part series. We hope you enjoy it. Let's get into the conversation right now. Well, here we are, man. We are in another episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. I've got a very special guest and also a special co-host today. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about sports and the coronavirus. Man, we're in a COVID era, and it has really affected sports. It's affected sports fans. It's affected athletes. And we just thought we'd have a little conversation for all the sports fans and the athletes in the audience and see how this has been affecting some of our folks and have a good conversation about it. So if you listened last week to our episode where we had a focus on Next Generation ministry with Bria LaCour and Wendell Williams and Kevon Liber. And Kevon, being a former coach and athlete himself, I invited him back to be a co-host with me on this episode. And we are going to jump into an interview here with Bradley Smith. Bradley, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Pastor Nathan. How are you, man? I am better than I deserve. I'm told that I quote somebody when I say that, but I don't know who it is. So I'm just going to keep on uh, saying it. If you know who to give credit to, you feel free. But I'm better than I deserve, man. I love it. I hear you, man. Kevon, how about you, man? I'm doing great today. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to a great podcast. Kevon, you also helped us to moderate a community forum on Friday night. How you, how you feeling now that you've slept a couple times since that, man? Oh, my gosh. It went really great. I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do it. Sleeping is what happened afterwards because building up to it, there was a lot of hard work. But I'm glad that we got to have people from the community talk to our police chiefs. That was a very special event. Shout out to everyone involved. That was really great that we got to make that happen. Yeah, and that's obviously not what this podcast is about, but just for some context, if you're just listening to this and maybe missed that, Kevon and, and a team, really, of folks from Mosaic Church interviewed four local police chiefs here in the Austin area to sort of discuss the intersection of policing and racism and, and all of that. And so you guys did a great job. And if you'd like to watch that, actually, you can head over to Mosaic Church on YouTube. Just look us up, Mosaic Church Austin on YouTube, and you can watch that back. So a little shameless plug for a fantastic event that you did a great job with. But but back to the topic at hand. So we find ourselves in a really interesting spot here. I mean, back in, in March, when everything really started blowing up as it relates to the coronavirus in America, we started to see large decisions get made. And I remember watching actually in a, in a pluckers, the last NBA game before they, they shut down the season. And, you know, Br Brad, as a former professional athlete, I, I just want to start out by asking you to kind of go back to that moment when you sort of realized, maybe you were watching the last game too, I don't know, but when you sort of realized like, oh man, like this is so big, sports is getting shut down. Like what was that like for you reflecting on something you've invested so much of your life into actually being stopped because of something we can't even see? Man, that's, it's, it's kind of multifaceted, man. It's, it's, you love the game so much and you realize as an athlete how much work these guys and, and ladies are putting into their craft and the, the preseason training, all the discipline that they've, you know, endured for such a long time to be able to perform during their seasons. And for that to be um, taken away from them is it, it hurt me as a, as a player and then as a fan that they would have to experience that. But at the same time, you know, you have to put it in perspective that no sport is more valuable than a human life and that, um, 
just by doing that and keeping people um, safe from each other and that safe distance, you know, it could be saving, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives. So it's kind of like a, you know, I hate to see it go, but um, I wish it was there at the same time. So it's, it's a tough, uh, a tough kind of stretch on me. I assume you still have friends that are involved in professional athletics. Have you heard from them and talked to them and heard maybe what they're thinking and feeling about having their lives upended and interrupted in this kind of way? Um, I mean, just the guys that you know I'm still in contact with are are mostly coaches now, and you know, few are kind of on the the tail end of their careers. And I, I think the general consensus has been a willingness to make a sacrifice for the greater good. Them being parts of teams for so long, you have to make certain sacrifices. And I think they kind of taken the approach of we're just trying to help the the bigger team at large. But most of them are still preparing at a level to be ready to play. So you're still hopefully optimistic that you know they'll be able to play, especially in football. So if you, for some reason, you know they say, "Oh, we're not going to play," and they start working out, and then the season happens and you're not ready, then you know your your career won't be lasting too much longer anyway. So you know they're staying ready, but at the same time, they understand it, it could not go the way they wanted to. Hey, Brad, Kevon here. If you were still playing in the league right now. How would you feel about the possibility of going back to work and maybe contracting coronavirus because you have contact with people on the field or even in the locker room or in other areas? Would you be nervous about that at all? Um, honestly, I wouldn't be. Just knowing generally a healthy person can, can more than likely recover. But for family and then the older people in my family coming in contact with them would be a sense of concern for me. But as far as going out and playing, no, I wouldn't. You know, just kind of the, the risk is... It's very few things more risky than playing football anyway. So uh, COVID is with, on top of that is kind of like, as long as you don't like tear my ACL or something, you know, I'll take COVID. But you don't want, that's that's a horrible thing to say. But like, that's the mentality. Like guys would rather get hit in the head than get hit in their knees because, you know, you, you mess your legs up and then you can't play. You can always let your brain recover. So I, w- I would be cautious. Uh, I know the NFL, I mean, it's such an amazing league as far as, the, their investment in players and health and things like that. So I'm sure they would be on top of it. And if anything did happen, that I would be well taken care of. So Brad, I guess it's kind of a follow-up to what Kevon was asking. I hear what you're saying. Like I'd go out there and play a reasonably healthy person, good access to healthcare, all those kind of things come into play and make you say, well, this is probably not any worse than other things that could happen playing the violent sport like football. But I, I was thinking about, man, if I was an athlete in any kind of sport, where I was going to come into contact with other people, lots of other people all the time, would I feel like I needed to actually quarantine myself from all my friends and family that I love and only be around those same people I'm playing the game with for the duration of the season? And so I guess sort of a follow-up question, like you you say yes from the health perspective, but what would your answer be if you had to really consider that? Like, okay, for the entire football season, I'm not, I'm not seeing my family because I'm not putting them at risk. I'm not seeing parents – older folks, does that come into play? Do you think like, even if we end up having a season, the guys will deselect themselves because of that level of impact? I I believe that that will happen. I think a lot of guys are willing to make that, you know, 18 week sacrifice to number one, financially take care of their families. And then number two, to, to keep them safe, their general health. So it would be, I mean, this is so unprecedented, man. It's hard to even fathom having to do something like that. It's going to be really interesting to see how the NBA does. It's a different sport. You're able to get in that bubble. You have 13 players on a team or, or something like that. 
and you're able to really confine that. But when you have, you know, 55, 60 NFL guys and all the training staff and all these people and all the families affected, it's going to, it's, it's a much bigger operation to do that. So at some point you just got to make a decision with a sport like football to, you have to just go all out. It's hard to put that, that sport in a bubble. That's definitely true. Um, I was watching a soccer game that was going on last week when they started back up in England. And I noticed like, okay, with soccer, you're going to have some contact, but it's not football. I mean, it's football is literally all about contact from the linemen to wrapping up people to linebackers to running backs. It's all about contact. Um, and there's lots of sweat. There's lots of oh, people man. in your face. There's no way to avoid it. It's just part of the game. It's just simple as everybody's touching the football. Like you have, you know, <laughs> 10, 15 people, we got referees and sideline attendants. Everybody's touching the ball, and, you know, that's potential for a spread there too. So it's it's a lot. I mean, it's just no way around it. We always hear about what happens at the bottom of a pile. Well, now somebody's be coughing on somebody's oh face just to, like, get that psychological <laughs> advantage, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> for sure. That will definitely be part of it. You know, one thing I'm thinking about now, um, just to switch it up a little bit, what about everyone that plays that's not in the league? So let's start with peewee football to middle school to mm-hmm. high school college football. I wonder about the risk. And, Nate, you can even answer this yourself. How do you guys feel about your own children playing during this time? If football season about to start up, do you feel the same way as the NFL? Or do you think, nah, it's not worth it? I guess I'll take it first. Uh, I, you know, having my son, he's you know, nine years old. He's he's playing. His first season was playing tackle football was last year. And then kind of going into this season, the uncertainty with the league and um, what the schools are going to do, it, it you know, it's kind of up in the air. I, I mean, his health is the most important thing to me, obviously. At the same time, I really, you know, I really want them to be able to go out and experience the the discipline, all the benefits that you get from, from sports, especially the game of football. Um, so it's kind of a tough pill to swallow if for some reason they're not able to play. I would be comfortable with, a, you know, a serious amount of precautions uh, necessary with the temperature testing every day, every practice to even the, the coaches and, and staff who are involved, making sure they're tested and temperature checked every day. I kind of feel comfortable in that environment that, you know, if we, if we have a lot of precautions in place, then, then we could probably get it done. But I know there are other parents who just, they won't even let their kids have a one-on-one workout because there is just that level of uncertainty and fear, which is certainly founded. And, you know, I don't knock them at all for that. So just me personally, I would be on the side of, you know, try it until you absolutely can't and, and, and go from there. But I certainly understand if like parents who are just like, no, I don't, that, that just doesn't, it's not even worth it. Yeah. We were in the middle of a baseball season with my youngest son when all of this hit and I was actually coaching his team for the first time. And I coached a few other, my kids, sports and soccer and flag football, stuff like that. It was the first time to coach anything with Luke. And of course, the baseball season got interrupted. We had three games. And after those three games, it was a wrap. You know, we kept thinking week to week, like, oh, is this going to come back? It's so funny how hindsight is. Like, looking back, you're like, of course you're not coming back. But in the moment, every week, it was like, well, maybe we'll get better news this week. Maybe this thing will just, you know, 
I know some wishful thinking from people in high places that it will just vanish. I, I think maybe we all were kind of hoping that at one point and then just realized that ain't happening. So it was hard to, uh, to let go of that. I have another student athlete who's a swimmer and they actually just started back this summer two weeks ago with swim. And uh, so it's like club swim for the summertime. And then they'll go back to high school swimming in the fall, but they, they're, they're back in the pool, you know, and I guess maybe like I'm counting on the power of chlorine and water to keep him a little more safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I got a 12 year old daughter who, you know, is, is planning to play volleyball in middle school this fall. And they've started some, some actually, actually the school has started some camps and some practices uh, during the summer. They're optional. But if you want to go up there and work out, you can. We've sent her twice. And I'll be honest, like I've been a little anxious about her going each time. It's just so hard to know what to think. Kevon, you asked the question, man, but what are your thoughts? Man, it's really hard because I'm thinking about every high school senior out there that's ready for their senior year. You know, if you're about to go play right now and then you found out you couldn't play, that'd be devastating. Like, I just... I don't even know what that would be like. A lot of times kids get scouted, you know, sophomore, junior year. And, you know, as a coach, you know that junior year is when you want to lock in that offer. But if you are someone that pops up late, there's plenty of kids that get scouted senior year and that's their chance to go to college. And if you don't get this season, I don't know what happens. Like, I don't, what do you do? Do you try to go to a school and walk on or you hope like, is that it? You're just done where if you had a full season, you would have made it. And now you don't. It's tough. So, I mean, at one, on one hand, I would love for this to be able to happen anyways, but I also know there's risk in it. Like, it's, it's a tough place to be in. For sure. And then from a different perspective, like as a college coach and as a recruiter, it's like, you, you, you know, you had people on your radar that you had some, you had some certainty True. guys. Like, we want to offer them scholarships. And then you have these uh, maybe guys like, or I'm looking for this particular position. And you're trying to fill these 24 scholarships. You got maybe eight or nine that, like, I'm certain on. But these other ones, like, I was, you know, I was counting on um, these guys, you know, proving themselves and somebody else popping up. And now you don't have that. So what do you do? Man, this is so unprecedented. It would be interesting to know what these college coaches are, are doing. Now, I know as a coach, it's all about the sport. You know, this playing for all these years that, hey, it's like football above everything else, especially here in Texas, you know, faith, family, football. I mean, that's sure. the order it goes in. And so what's interesting is that during the summer, like you said, Nathan, a lot of people have started up these camps and they're like, hey, we can have these summer camps, come back. You know, we're doing shooting conditioning, but no one's touching. We're all outside. We're going to do drills, which I'm like, we can work that out. But then a lot of them got shut down again this week. And I think some of this back and forth is really going to start to mess with kids. Like, it's just a hard place to be in. And I wonder about our kids and how they're going to recover. You know, with my own, they're young, but I'm like having to make them go outside and do something, but they can't even really do it with their friends. So it's like a whole thing with them not even being able to have the regular interactions that they usually have. I mean, that's a great point. And that's a huge challenge for sure, because kids need that. I mean, you kind of move this even out of organized sports down to just general exercise and outdoor activities and interaction with other kids. You know, they're missing yeah. out on so much right now. And even as we sit here and talk about it, you know, I'm just thinking about all these sort of unfolding it's like layers to an onion of, of all, all the ways that it unfolds. One, one thing I wanted to come back to, 
as it relates to some of our professional athletes, maybe even some some collegiate level athletes, is that as someone who did not play at a college level or or professionally in any sport, I'm I'm firmly in the fan side of things, and so I'm on the watch, enjoy, appreciate fantasy football a little bit here and there. That's the angle I come at sports from. As as a pastor and someone who thinks a lot about human flourishing and justice, I'm I'm sensitive to the fact that many people that I enjoy sports with have a tendency to sort of dehumanize the players that they watch. And that that's such a such a big conversation. We could go a lot of different directions with that. But one thing that I've been thinking about is like the fact that people are having to make choices to not play. So I'm a golf guy. I love to play golf, love to watch golf. And in the last three weeks since golf has been back, they're testing these guys every weekend. You know, in fact, they're testing them before every round. And so you've seen people, they pull out either because they got a positive test or somebody they knew got a positive test, or maybe they're just not feeling well, so they're trying to play it safe. As we're recording this podcast this weekend, the Travelers Tournament, Jason Day decided to request to play by himself because he wasn't feeling well, but he didn't want to pull out of the tournament and his test came back negative. But we know there's like 23% false negatives. And so all this sort of stuff that we're seeing in terms of how people are, are, are working through it. And it's interesting for me on the fan side to see who is sort of acclimating themselves to the humanity of the athletes and becoming more empathetic and understanding about it, which I think long-term could be a good thing for the way we take in sports. And then you see other people who like become even more calloused, you know, I just want to watch my thing. I just want these guys to do my thing. Brad, as someone who has played at the highest level, uh, I'm sure that you're aware that people sort of dehumanize you and you just become like this almost thing on a screen or on a field that that people watch and and they're celebrating more about what you're a part of than you yourself like what do you think about this sort of humanization that's happening as it relates to covid and athletics man nathan that is that is such an awesome question like you said it's you can go so many different directions with it just the whole idea of shutting up and dribbling with the lebron james and the lady from the news that 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 stuff is real i can't count how many times my intelligence was questioned just being a black quarterback. Can you do it like to my face? Like, are you smart enough? Right. You, you know, this stuff you can, you were good at math, right? Things like that. Just constantly having your intelligence question in that nature. And then, you know, from the fan side of it, because, you know, you know, they pay our, they pay our bills to be honest. So you don't want to, uh, you know, take everybody off that way. But at the same time, just, from tweets of people saying, if you get injured, you know, suck it up and play. Or if you happen to enjoy something else other than that sport, then all you should be doing is that sport 24-7. And now for this to bring a light to, hey, like, we all the same. This is just their job. This is just something that, um, you know, they put work in and they they go in and, and, and try to be successful at it. So, I mean, it, it's a blessing to be able for people to be able to see that, man, to, to see the the tough decisions that they have to make, the amount of work that has to go into it. And, you know, fantasy football and fantasy fantasy sports has has done nothing but add to the level of dehumanizing of these athletes. So hopefully we can gain something from it. But, you know, honestly, once money's involved, especially in a sport, it's hard to keep that from happening. 
Man, Brad, you're speaking to the dark side of sports, which is definitely something real. And um, you see that down even into high school. So I was a high school coach. I didn't coach college, didn't coach NFL. But I saw that where athletes would get hurt and it would be suck it up. You know, it would be how quickly can we get them back? Oh, your shoulder hurts. Let's wrap it up and put you back in the game. Like, and you become an object and you realize this is for some people entertainment. And especially when you get to the top level, I can see it being entertainment. Now, the thing that's crazy about it is that, of course, there's always two sides to everything. As an athlete on the field, there's a lot that can be said about perseverance and determination and working hard and pushing through pain. There's a lot that's done there. So you have to strike this balance between that whole thing that coaches always say, are you hurt or are you injured, right? Like, right. if you're hurt, you can get back out there and play. If you're injured, then you can go, you know, see the trainer. It's this whole balance of trying to figure out where's the line and yeah. I think that we have to do better with those that are in charge, those that are in power, the coaches, the leaders, the team captains have to do better about the human side of the game. Like, that's so important. It's bro, something you, that I think we can explore a little bit better. Bro, you're, you're so right, man. Like, integrity goes well beyond just, you know, your, your everyday life. It goes to It goes to sports, and sometimes we try to leave integrity out of things that are performance driven like as long as you're winning then you can do whatever you want but you know that's the furthest thing from the truth because you know that that just carries over to other areas of your life is as a coach like are you really are is your goal willing winning and, and having your ego stroked and getting a pay raise or is your is your goal as a coach to really develop men um to take these young yeah. young guys and, and developing men who will have great families and be able to provide for themselves. Like uh, what are, what is our goal out here as, as guys who are coaching and are dealing with these youth athletes, are you just living your dream through these kids or you really want to help them develop as young men? So um, man, like you said, we, we really have to, as, as the guys who are kind of teaching the game to the next generation, we really have to examine our own hearts and make sure that we are putting uh, the love of the game and the development of young men and women ahead of our own pride. This is a good point. One of the things that I have heard about and read a little bit about that is like another potentially devastating reality. And I think a lot of people probably don't realize this, but in many, many schools, when we talk schools, we're talking like colleges, possibly to some extent in high school, but the college football programs fund many other athletic programs. Yes. And so, you know, while we're talking about this, when most professional sports involve men, there are some that involve women, of course, uh, but there are female athletics going on at the college level that, you know, for a whole nother conversation that maybe we should have some women involved in, we could talk about why they don't get the support and participation and all of that kind of stuff from the fan base, the way some of the male dominated sports do. But the reality is irrespective of the reasons why and how sinister some of those may be. The reality is that college football at a large university is going to bring in the income necessary to support other sports, sports with less attention to them, female sports, et cetera. And so now as I'm hearing like noise around possibly not having a college football season, 
one of the things that I've heard people talk about is the financial implication that that may have to the point that some programs and opportunities for, for people that aren't college football athletes, but maybe they're female softball players or female golfers or female volleyball players or basketball, that, that they may actually lose their opportunity because their program can't be funded because they're not going to get the money this season. And it may take a few more seasons to recover. I've heard about this. I know that a few schools have cut programs already. And um, I know that they said that some of them, they just can't sustain anymore because of what you said. So quickly, I pulled up University of Alabama, Nathan's favorite, and I wanted to see about their Roll tight. <laughs> I wanted to see about their revenue. So they brought in last year over $200 million for the entire athletic program. Now, this is what's crazy about that. Football brought in $95 million and basketball brought in $16 million. Those were the only two sports out of all of their sports that were profitable. All the rest have a negative balance. So football and basketball covered everyone else. And basketball only had a positive profit of $61,000. Football was $25 million. Football made $25 million. Basketball was $61,000. Every other one was negative. I mean, like negative $2 million for some of these programs. So football really sustains it. And that's at a large university that has plenty of publicity and people love all over the country. It's still football driving it. It's kind of That's wild. incredible. Bro, that is incredible. And, and like to piggyback off of that, Kevon, like you can see like the power of, the, of college football, but then that carries over to the university at, in, in, in general, like dorm uh, dorms being built, uh, dining yep. halls being built, scholarship funds that are, are being contributed to. Like it all, a lot of it stems from you know, sports, especially college football. So the financial implications are huge. Like it goes, they're far reaching just to the, the regular student body as well. If uh, you know, if there's no football season, you know, just hear, hearing that makes makes me want to sit down and maybe write a letter to uh, to Coach Saban and and encourage him to donate a year's worth of his salary to keep all those other programs going. You know, I, th- I think that that would probably do the trick. I wonder if some of these coaches that are making millions of dollars on the backs of students now may be a time for some of them to step up not not only for the athletes that they're coaching directly, but for some of these other programs. Obviously, we're just thinking here out loud in the middle of recording a podcast, but I hope that some people with resources that have really profited off of these sports will find some ways to invest back into the furtherance of these other programs so that even if they're paused, they won't be terminated indefinitely. Right. Nathan, that's fantastic. I've never even thought about that. But if I look at something like volleyball at Alabama College, it takes $1.9 million for them to operate for a season. And that is a fraction of Coach Saban's salary, right? And so if him or others, if they were to pull this money and be able to do this, that would, okay, you're talking about something that is amazing in creating equity within a program you're talking about someone giving up power giving up money in order for someone else to be elevated if they were like hey we know football's going to go on and we know basketball is going to go on but we need to also make sure women's basketball and volleyball happens or if we're like you know what we're going to take care of track and tennis and golf we're going to do whatever it takes that speaks volumes and like one of the things that i saw just now which is huge to point out is that 48 million dollars that alabama brought in last year came from tv rights and you know that's also football and basketball so i mean all of it contributes to it and if those people are the drivers they could definitely help the other programs to be able to survive because without them they they don't it's not possible well, for sure and i mean we, since we're talking about repurposing funds 
you could take those salaries and, and you want to keep these sports going. But what about when these kids are done with their eligibility at these universities? In my experience, and you know, not just my school, but schools, probably every school across the country, once you're used up, you, you have no value to this university. You mm. are... Yeah. Unless you are were the, the won a Heisman Trophy or you know, multi-time All-American, like you are just you could come to the games, but there's you have no value. So are we, you know, we're placing their their complete value as a human being on your ability to perform for my school in order to make us money. So can we, you know, as leaders take this some of this money and have job placement programs or career training or even create jobs for these athletes. A lot of them, this is the only thing that they were good at. How do we help them develop other skills other than just you give us what we need, you get to play, maybe win a national championship. But after that, you know, go work at nothing wrong with it, but go work at McDonald's, go work at a front desk of a rental car place because that's all you're worth right now. So while we're talking about repurposing and, and keeping the sports alive, it's, I think it's just as important, maybe even more to what we do after these kids lose their eligibility. Man, you make some really, really great points. In fact, I, I was just Seriously. texting Kevon uh, on the side here because, Brad, I know, I know you're in a time crunch and your time's valuable and we so appreciate it. But I would love to have you back for a second podcast to talk about how we bring about equity and humanization in the midst of sports. Uh, there's so much more that we could discuss. And I think it's important, even though probably most people, dare I say all people listening to this podcast, might not have the ability to directly do something about the things we're discussing. Having fans change the way they perceive the sports and the way they interact with the sports that they support, I think would go a long way towards making a difference. People can make their voices be known. They can vote with their dollars. They can vote with their mouths, what they say and how they support and don't support. So I guess I'll just put you on the spot, man. Can we get you back for a follow-up podcast on the, these these deeper and darker topics? Man, anytime I, I get a chance to hang with my brothers, man, I'm all in. So for sure. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, again, we, we do want to honor your time. So let me just ask one quick question of both of you before we wrap here. Are we going to see football in the fall? What's your gut right now? Yes or no? Uh, Yes. <laughs> The money is too big. If the NBA is coming back right now, they're going to find a way. They will find a way to, like you said, either quarantine everyone or something, but it's coming back. Uh, yep. And I wanted to say the same thing. I just want to get your thoughts first. But yes, absolutely. There's too much money, too much riding on it. I believe it'll be played. Well, guys, thank you all so much for your time today, and we definitely have to have you back. We're just going to call this part one of, a, of, a, of our sports edition on Tuesdays if we're talking, and we'll definitely get you back here to continue this conversation. There's a lot of great things that we need to discuss. I think some ways that we can help enlighten people like myself who are fans of these great sports, but to understand how we might could, could use them to better the lives of so many people. So I look forward to having you all back and having that conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today, Brad and Kevon. Great co-host, man. And we got to do this again, too. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for having us. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. For more information about how to get and stay connected to us, head over to mosaicchurchaustin.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you'll make plans to join us next week.